Hey, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the First Word Podcast. Uh, my name is Alex, and I'm here with my co-host. Mike. And uh, what's up, guys? We're excited um, to record this episode today because my friend and colleague and cohort, uh, Anton Volkov, is joining us. Um, Anton is the founder and current editor-in-chief of Trailer Track, um, which is not only a Twitter but a website that has been rock in the trailer world for a couple of years now <laughs> um and anton is also a huge christopher nolan fan and a sci-fi fan oh come on <laughs> and no the, anton's one of my favorite people uh like favorite film nerds because like like mike we just geek out over everything all the time in a way where like no one gets to see half of it because it's in dms and like private messages but um yes i'm glad to have you on anton thanks for joining us. no th- no thank you for having me and honestly I, I've been following you f- for years and obviously a huge fan of your site as well. So it's great that, you know, we, uh, over the past couple of years, we got to stay in touch more and kind of get involved in all this crazy stuff that's been happening. Yeah. And so, I mean, to get into this this episode, this was your idea. I mean, it was on Mike and I's mind, but I, uh, you messaged me the other day and you were like, after this crazy week of trailers, we have to record. Um, and I counted on my site 26 trailers, although I included indies and weird foreign stuff. But there were like at least 20 major trailers that debuted in the last six days. Yeah, exactly. It's 20 on the dot. I've got um, my site open at the moment. Yes, yeah, 20 on the dot. And I, because on my site, in terms of the actual launches, I cover kind of the, the major Hollywood ones. And I, I think there are uh, two or three kind of ones from kind of smaller indie distributors, but, you know, people like Amber Heard, Keanu Reeves, we'll get onto that later. But, yeah, in total, it's 20 kind of of these major ones, which is mad. I don't think we've had a crazy kind of one-week period with all these trailers with such frequency in a good while, not, you know, since I've been active on social media, so, you know, not in the last five years, and we're not even, and not even, I don't think, Comic-Con, or even the whole, you know, rain of trailers that always comes before star wars or you know the december uh, temples i don't think it compares to this week it's kind of it's kind of crazy and we i remember there was a twitter discussion amongst you and frosty um steve who runs collider uh, like sort of debating like what is this week like why what what do the studios do do they all get together and be like all right let's drop all our trailers this week on one hand, it seems clear that they wanted to get stuff out to be in front of the summer movies. But on the other hand, like to drop this many in what seems like a coordinated fashion is kind of unprecedented. I mean, like you said, we've seen it in December. We see it around certain times a year. But like the other thing is that no one had any idea. And Anton, you're the authority on when <laughs> trailers are going to drop. So that's why I have to ask you officially on the podcast, like, how did we not know about this? How did this just like surprise us all? I, I think... Because, right, the, the thing about, you know, me kind of, I say in Versity Commons announcing the trailers, right, it's when they get rated or they get sent out to cinemas. And so I think it was like at this time, sorry, two, nearly two weeks ago, so kind of at the start of the previous week, where when I think what was one of the first ones that got rated, I, I think it was um, Lenny Abrahamson's The Little Stranger, which ironically is only dropping on Monday, despite playing with uh, this weekend in American cinemas, but then after that we got what was it? We, uh, what was it? We got Unfriended, Dark Web, Peppermint, and then you know Spider Man into the Spider Verse, The Girl in the Spider's Web, and then Sus- and then some official confirmations came through like a week before they launched. So Suspiria, Widows, and you know by this time last week, I just like okay, I had to do kind of a big recap because so many kind of either officially announced or rated. 
that have that were basically saying like, oh shit, oh crap, next week is gonna be mad. Yeah, and it's it's it. That's I mean, it seems like they wanted to. It seems like they all were in cahoots on this. Like I the other one I remember was White Boy Rick. They. They debuted on uh, Late Night like two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly two weeks ago. And I was waiting for you. We were like, when is it going to hit the, the internet? We've been waiting. I literally had a post ready for two weeks. And then finally when this week came around, I'm like, oh, of course they waited for this week. But like everything got stuffed into that. Yeah, but then why should they? Uh, I They should have just premiered it on uh, Kimmel, you know, two weeks ago. Like, what's the point? If Sony had it, you know, already out and there was, you know, a bootleg floating around on Facebook, someone recorded it from Kimmel, like on a phone. Uh, for two for two weeks, like why wait until now when you know when I'm sure the studios know, especially like with all the stuff that's been announced or rated, that you know this week is gonna be insane. But I guess in terms of you know placements, it was a kind of a perfect storm because of course this week in internationally, so you know here in the UK we have Jurassic World out that came out just two days ago, then Ocean's Eight. In America, along with Hereditary, so that's you know the blockbuster. So Mortal Engines, Bumblebee, that's for Jurassic World here. Um, the horror stuff, you know, Suspiria and Halloween, that's for Hereditary and the award stuff, Widow's First Man, etc. and etc. White Boy Rick as well, that's for Ocean's Eight this weekend. So it was this case of just this perfect storm of films that you know studios would want to want, uh, place trailers in front of in cinemas both, you know, here in the UK and in America. Well, I guess the last thing I want to ask before we go into them individually is what... Do you think there's this issue of trailers getting lost in the mix if they debut too many of them on top of each other? Like, is that something that would happen to, uh, I guess we would say, the normal moviegoers, since none of us are the normal moviegoer? In the sense that, like, I, you know, I'm glad we're going to recap a lot of them in this show, but, like, to someone, maybe they completely miss White Boy Rick. They have no idea what we're talking about because it was in the mix of these 20 trailers. Like, is that something that you feel like happens? I kind of feel like we get two or three new trailers every week because I'm always on iTunes trailers or I'm on online looking for a new trailer. But they're not really new trailers. They're just repeats or second trailers or teasers or whatever. This did feel like one week of just straight dropping brand new movies all at once. There weren't all and, follow-ups. Yeah, I, the only ones that were follow-ups were just the animated ones. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and re- to be precise, yeah, Spider-Man and Wreck-It Ralph. Those are the only kind of trailer twos. Lego Movie was a, was a teaser. The, that was the first look at that film. Obviously, you know, Lego Movie 2, but then it was the first look at this particular film. Which, again, I think it's funny how animated drops... Animated is the only kind of genre slash medium that has trailers drop, you know, a year out, as is, you know, the case with How to Train Your Dragon and now Lego Movie 2, while the live action stuff, particularly the big budget live action stuff, so, you know, people asking, oh, when's the Aquaman trailer coming? And then I'm just like, it's probably not going to be till San Diego Comic Con, because, you know, Warner Brothers, the, the studio that, you know, had teasers for the Nolan Batman films, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman out, you know, over a year before their respective release dates and they were proper teasers, while now it's just like they wait till you know, six or five months in advance and get right out of the gate with kind of a full two-minute-plus piece. So, Speaking of Comic-Con, I, I think it's funny because the, the end of the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse trailer throws that little Comic-Con line out there, and I wanted to ask you guys if you thought that was one of those animated films that they can throw in a voiceover line 
for the sake of breaking the fourth wall or that's actually in the movie. Like, I, I have a feeling that that was just a little wink to the fans that they're going to drop a lot more stuff in some trailer at Comic-Con, right? I mean, it seems... Mm, I doubt it. Per- personally, I doubt it because, like, like this Spider-Verse trailer, it's already kind of... It, it's a full trailer. I think they're probably going to show some exclusive footage for Hall H. If, that's if Sony have a panel. I mean, when was the last time Sony had a presence? It must have been years ago. So, so I don't know. I mean, they do have both Venom and this coming out. But I don't think that we are going to get kind of a... They, I don't think they are saying that, oh, you know, we're going to have more stuff out of Comic-Con because I think, of, of course, they're going to have it with these films and just, you know, for whole age. So you least. think that's a line in the movie? I think that's a line in the film. I think the thing about Spy- uh, Spider-Verse is... I think in, in terms of the style they're going for, it's very much... It, it's a bit kind of self-referential, a bit cheeky. They know that a lot of their core... A lot of the audience will be these kind of uh, big fa- uh, big co- comic book fans because uh, because otherwise, you know, compared to a live-action uh, Spider-Man film, it's, I don't think it would bring as m- much, you know, wider general audiences in. I mean, that's just my opinion. So they, therefore, they can kind of afford to throw these kind of wings at the audience. No, I think that's going to stay in. I don't think that was, you know, especially dubbed. I think I think it's I think but I also think it's a reference to, and again, I'm guessing, I, I don't know enough about this movie, but I wonder if the movie itself is this idea like um, some of the Batman animated series where they're like, they go into the concept that all Spider-Man versions exist like within this certain realm? Oh yeah, that's the, that, that's the, that's definitely what this is in terms of, I, I think in this trailer, it, you know, shows the fact that, you know, you've got Peter Parker, you know, mentoring Miles Morales and you've got Spider-Gwen. So, and the, this idea, it's in the title, Spider-Verse. So it is going to be a more kind of subversive, for uh, well, not fourth wall breaking as in depth of fourth wall breaking, but in a metaphorical sense that it's more kind of self aware, which is cool. I'm that's I love. Are we talking about this trailer now? I mean, yeah. Like, also, I guess we are. <laughs> Anton, we may have to make a side bet on this. Okay. I think that line was uh, tossed in there as a reference to that they're going to re- reveal more characters in the movie at Comic Con because it came right after he said. There's a female Spider-Man or something like that. I think that's what he said. Yeah, because Gwen Stacy shows up. Right. So I, um, I, I think what you've said makes a lot of sense. And my, I have nothing to back up my idea here. But I, I want to make a gentleman's bet here. We'll revisit it. And I'll just, I'll just tweet you. Uh, I think the better bet is whether this line stays in the film. Because, like, as I said, like, no doubt that they're going to have something at Comic-Con. But the question is whether that yeah, line stays. Yeah, we'll wait till it comes out and we'll figure it out then. And uh... Yeah, let's revisit it in December. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm, like, nervous. Like, we have to record another podcast in December discussing what happened, the results. <laughs> let's, pl- let's, let's put that plan in motion. Um, no, I, I, I actually really dig this trailer. Actually, someone mentioned a good point um, to talk about this trailer is that in my comments on the site, there was a person complaining about two things. They said the, the chroma, chromatic aberration, I think it's called, which is the, um, like the coloring when something is kind of like through a screen. And it seems like added as an effect. And then they were also complaining about like the, some other visual quality of it. And I was thinking like, okay, first things first, they have six more months or five more months to finish. Secondly, the trailer I was watching on YouTube was horribly compressed, like really bad because this trailer in particular has like so many different colors and things going on in it that it's hard to get it to look full unless you're like in full 1080p HD. 
Um, and that's what I love about this trailer, just how like like visually incredible it is. Unlike anything else out of the 20 trailers we saw, this one stands out for that. Like the the, the technique they're using, the style. Well, it had um, that it had that 3D old timey 3D thing going mm-hmm. on. Oh yeah, and I wanted to say that when I was watching today, I kept thinking, did they design this trailer to be 3D with red and blue glasses? Like you know the find the kind you would find in a magazine like a long right, time it ago. Right, looks like that. Yeah, and I'm, I kept wondering, like, is there going to be a Comic-Con thing where they're like, oh, we're going to hand out red and blue glasses, and guess what? You can now watch the trailer in 3D. Like, it made me think, like, that's why this guy's complaining, is there's these weird effects in it, but they have to be there for a reason. They wouldn't just do that for no reason. I think it's pretty sweet to see a movie that is uh, something I would watch uh, on the animated side. Like, the Batman animated movies have never really captured my attention unless something crazy happens. And I consider myself a comic book movie fan. I'm just not invested enough to go through all of those animated films, which I feel like there's a lot of. And when I look back at this trailer, I think that's the first time I've ever seen a trailer to one of these animated superhero films that makes me feel like it's maybe even for me. Like it's not... in. It's not just for people who have read the comics who know more about the characters. It looks like it's actually going to be awesome, fun, cool, have that sort of um, um, cinematic feel and not a sort of TV movie feel. I, I'm just I'm really excited for it. I, I do kind of wish um, that I understood more about what was going on in terms of the universe and comic books, but I'm actually going to go in without doing any research. I know who Miles Morales is in a general sense. But the fact that the trailer itself sold me on that movie says a lot for where they're going and what kind of movie they're making. I agree because the thing is, I'm I'm exactly the same as you, Mike. I'm not really a big, you know, in terms of these comic films. I don't, I haven't seen any of the animated, you know, DC Universe or uh, or the other films that they've been putting out. But it's interesting how you know this year you have you know Teen Titans Go and then this. It's kind of the, that you know Warner Brothers and you know Sony are trying to position as you know up there with in anticipation along with the likes of you know the pixar stuff the disney animation stuff lego movie and as someone who isn't really the big the uh, sort of person who you know goes out to see animated films right you know on opening day i was i was uh, really impressed by this one and actually this might be one of the first animated films that i do end up seeing on opening weekend it looks i mean going back to that whole discussion about the visual style it really does look unique and something that I don't think, you know, we've seen an animation, at least, you know, big screen animation in the past few years. And the fact that it is, you know, so, you know, self-aware in terms of communicating with, you know, the whole, you know, current landscape of superhero films, it's it's incredibly fascinating. And obviously, you know, Lord and Miller being involved creatively, that's another good, <laughs> that's another thing that I'm really excited by, so... I actually think that Lord and Miller tweeted that it would be groundbreaking, and I like I'm I don't want to jump the gun and be like this is groundbreaking, but from what we're seeing, just the whole style of it just seems like it could be that kind of thing that we should claim. True, like you already said, Anton, like it's it's so different and so unique and so pushing things ahead, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it all turns out in the end. Um, do we want to go from an, this to another animated movie uh, trailer? Because there's two other really big animated movie trailers that debuted um Wrecker Ralph 2 and the Lego movie 2 both twos yeah both twos I throw in how to train your dragon 3 uh, I'll say transitionally though that 
the Spider-Man movie is going to have a lot of work to do if it wants to convince people who um, aren't committed already to go see this movie. Like, I think they're going to have to do a lot of work outside of the trailers to get a general audience in the way that the Lego movie did. Or And I think that might come from word of mouth. It, it might just be one of those kinds of movies. This is gonna, it's going to have to make sure that the people who care already are fully committed and in and ready to support it. And then um, the buzz catches up to people who aren't super into that movie. But also maybe the release date is kind of a nice release uh, for people who are going to be getting a, a big handful of serious movies. So I don't know. It's I'm, I'm curious to see how that pans out. But then you have like the Lego movie and How to Train Your Dragon and Wreck-It Ralph that are building off of huge successes and the trailers are kind of capitalizing on that in a really interesting way like the lego movie is such a once again we're talking about fourth wall movies it it, it it's so self-aware that it it can use that to its benefit in the trailer for humor and not just rely on plot or characters or, or whatever so i love and i love the lego movie trailer yeah they um the lego movie trailer is great and they they also for Lord and Miller are also involved in that in a way where I think they wrote the script. Yeah, they did write the script. Um, and it, and it similarly it feels in a way like really creative what they're doing with this one. They're not directing it, but it like the trailer, the way it starts with Mad Max and then self-referential and a lot of like crazy things going on. It's great. Like they really they get your attention and then they show you that like this isn't your standard animated movie. And they pull you right in, and I really like what they're doing with it, and I'm really excited for it. Um, yeah, I found I found that uh, animated movies have always been at their best when they're they're kind of parody films. You know, the first Lego Movie is in every single way do, uh, making parody out of uh, a lot of other great movies that we all love. But now I feel like they really have free reign to just do actual sequences. I'm going to make a confession here. I haven't seen the first Lego movie. Obviously, because, you know, you can't stay away from social media in that respect. So obviously know about the whole twist regarding it. I have seen Lego Batman, though. But obviously I know a lot about the first Lego movie. I, have, I just haven't ha had the chance to watch it fully. But as someone who hasn't seen the first Lego movie and the only one of these films that I have seen is Lego Batman, this trailer, I'm surprised how much it did fascinate me. And it is that, you know, previously mentioned kind of that parody aspect. Because literally the first thing I thought of with that opening, with those opening shots was, were Blade Runner. Just like, oh, they're going there. Like, okay, that's awesome. As someone who had Blade Runner as my favorite film last year. And so... Dude, that, you that's... need to watch the first one. Though. Yeah, I do need to. I do need to. I, w I will at some point, definitely. It's always, you know, with these sorts of rewatches, I guess it's just kind of how my movie watching habits are i always use the opportunity of okay when you, there's a new installment coming out to actually watch the previous ones if i haven't seen them before or re-watch them yeah i think you'll enjoy it and this one i hope is uh, building upon it in the right way no pun intended I, I i loved the cast list at the end of the trailer like for me that's a huge draw for animated films I'm more interested now knowing that Tiffany Haddish is one of the voices and Charlie Day is one of the voices. Like I want to see that movie for more because I saw that list and more like Spider-Verse does not have famous voices and Jack John Jake Johnson is not somebody I'm going to the movies to see. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, we've still got, uh, I think we've got Leif Schreiber and we've got Mahershala Ali. Haley Steinfeld is Spider-Gwen at the end there. They didn't have that cast list in the actual trailer itself, but then okay, the voices they've got were uh, they got they, they 
Okay, they're not the bi the uh, the biggest biggest, but I mean they they are still pretty big. I mean, obviously Mahershala Ali, you know, her Oscar winner now, and so, and I think that's the interesting comparison between you know how Spider Man's going to try and position itself is I think they're going to try and position it more as you know it's a Spider Man film rather than okay you've got this you know you know top A list voice cast. Yeah, but do you go? Do, do either of you go to an animated movie because of the voice cast? Does anyone go to an animated yeah, movie? Yeah, that's almost the, the only reason I go to animated movies. Are you serious? Mike? I'm dead serious. Internationally, I'm pretty. Sh I'm in other countries. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's it is. It's not that because it's obviously sometimes local stars dubbing the voices, but some. But sometimes it's yeah. You have absolutely no idea. So it is you know more of a factor. I'm guessing you know countries like here in the UK and US, the English speaking countries. While outside, it's a bit fifty-fifty in terms of why, because sometimes you you do have a, a high-profile actors du doing the dubbing. Sometimes you don't. Like Emoji well, Movie would be a good example of a movie I saw because it had people in it. I like. That's it. That's a great example of a movie you shouldn't see because it looks like shit and it is shit. <laughs> oh, it was but terrible. Like oh, oh, it was it was a terrible, terrible movie. Good thing I haven't watched that. No, <laughs> but, but I, can't I had you more fun because I had friends in it. Jeez. Yeah, but I had more fun figuring out who was who uh, in voices than that's my escape from a movie that's not good animated wise. Ugh, my terrible. Look, I can't. <laughs> I can't make you happy every day. <laughs> I think this is the point where uh, where it would be good to transition to Wreck It Ralph too, because it is. You know, it's funny, a lot of the reactions that I've been seeing to this one is like, you know, Ready Player One crossed with Emoji Movie, except with Wreck-It Ralph. So... Have you seen the original? No, no, that, that, that's another one I haven't uh, checked out. It's good! Oh, man, these movies are so good. Why am I the only one that has seen these? No, Wreck-It Ralph, the first one is great. Like, it's one of Disney's best um, in terms of their recent stuff. Uh and it's it's like it, I don't know I don't want to talk about it because the the sequel the this I actually really love this trailer because it uses Daft Punk and it uses Daft Punk in like yeah, that, the right yeah, way. And it wasn't it wasn't like in a way where they just play the song in the first half. It was the way it like comes in and out and it comes in at the right moments and they keep going back to it. Like it's perfect for this trailer. Even though I would not have expected Daft Punk to be approving the trailer for Wreck-It Ralph the sequel, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, Daft Punk, well, they worked with Disney before on Tron, obviously, so... Yeah, but that wasn't a good relationship, didn't you? They, they, they almost... They got replaced, like, secretly because they couldn't finish. But that's another story. Yeah, yeah that is another story. I do remember that. Um, but, uh, like, as someone who actually really likes the, the, the first film, this looks great. But I, I don't see the emoji comparisons only because I hate the emoji movie and I probably <laughs> erased it from my mind. But, um... I get it in the sense that it's like they go to the, the, the world, the like in the internet world, and of course there's going to be emojis, but it's a whole different world. The Wreck-It Ralph people I know are distancing themselves as well from the emoji movie. And I, and I like, but I'm also concerned about how Disney-centric it is, like the way it integrates Star Wars. Oh, God, yeah. That, yeah, you do get these moments that are slightly eye-rolling. It brings me back to when I was watching Solo, right, and then where you have these moments in the first act where you know oh that's how he gets his surname oh that's how he meets Chewbacca like I was like no it's it took me out of the film and so it's just that's the concern when you have a film like you know Rick and Ralph not only with all the kind of pro Google Facebook social media product placement but when you get this you know obvious focus on Disney sure there are moments in the trailer where it works well like you know the whole princesses sequence that that was a highlight 
but other times the 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 thing that the first movie wreck it ralph had going for it was the ip in the first place like it had the opportunity to do so many interesting stories because of that and branching out of it and taking characters from movies i mean they exist on the internet now and all these things are in there so they have to play together and we can't ignore the fact that porn exists on the internet but i guess we're going to probably have to do that in this movie i hope there's some kind of reference to that in this movie <laughs> there will be there will be well because you know there, there's there's the clip the clever editing trick where they're talking to the search person and she asked like give me this one website that is exactly this this and this and then it cuts to disney and in the movie it's like he's going to give her an answer that's going to be like a joke and it's going to be something like that it's not disney that they show that's not going to be his answer but it was like a clever editing trick where you're like oh of course it's disney it was like yeah, because it was like she was asking, like, what's the craziest site that has everything? And I was like, that's not Disney. And then it cuts to Disney and then continues on. But um, well, if, as long as this movie isn't some sort of cheap ploy to reveal their Disney Netflix, I'll be OK. <laughs> Please, no, but I don't think so. I think that I actually think the coolest thing about it is the Disney princesses because they're they're like how kind of how crazy is it that Disney was like, OK, we'll let every princess from our history be in one room together and self-reference each other like it's kind of that's like pretty pretty bold for disney to do and i also in a wreck it ralph movie of all kinds of movies to do that with but like why not like and i expect that they know that that's going to play well and it's going to make a lot of money because of that yeah a lot of money i'll yeah. see anything with john c Riley in it so again voice over plot <laughs> Okay, so then, so then the last animated one. Do you want to talk about How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World? No. Okay, let's move on. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll just say it, it looks really good. Again, it's so good. This is embarrassing. Three films in a row that I haven't seen the first installment. So no, I have not seen How to Train Your Dragon one or two. But I, a, a close friend of mine's absolutely obsessed with with it, and she was just coming like, "How have we not seen them?" But anyway, it looks. It definitely does look good, and those who enjoyed the the first two films will probably love it, love it as well and obviously i think it's it's also interesting because the fact that it is the last film of that franchise that they are selling it as the last one so i guess we'll see how that goes yeah it's a and i always like when trailers uh reference the past films in the trailer like instead of saying like there once was this one film it's like in this film they have a little bit of footage at the start from the first two which I like because then it's a good transition into like, okay, now you know what you're getting into in this, with this third one and let's remind you, let's like pull your nostalgia into this one and give you some more of the, a, a new taste of it. And similarly to pretty much every trailer we got this week except for a few of them, I like that it's not a teaser. Like a lot of these are first time trailers and I like that they didn't have just a teaser, like, you know, 60 seconds of like barely any footage. I like that it's a full on introduction to the story and like a good two and a half minute look at what's happening. Even if it does show a lot, at least it, it's there. Agreed. I, I don't know. I feel like it's gonna. It's just a trailer. It didn't give me anything to talk about, you know, like many of these other ones did. It just sort of a, feels like, oh, cool, they made another one. Yeah, I know. And yeah. I, think it, I think it hits you more if you're a fan of the series, but especially compared to the Lego movie and Rega Ralph and Spider-Man in terms of the animated movies, those, are, those stand out more. Okay, so what's next? Who who wants? What, what do you want to do? What do you want to talk Bumblebee. about? Bumblebee. Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> I I Bumblebee had that. forgotten completely that that this movie exists, uh, until this trailer came out, 
and I remember when they were when they announced it, I was like, oh, that'll be a, a good idea. Like, let's minimize this thing again because that's when it's at its best. <clears throat> and the trailer is fucking incredible. I mean, it really hits all the notes to make me believe it's going to be good, but also I think to get people back on board who've lost track of the series. I I don't think they've tied themselves into the Transformers movies in the way that I was worried they might, and it really just feels like an honest to goodness movie about a robot having to save a girl, which was what uh, you know the 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 Bumblebee storyline was in the original Transformers. Yeah, it looks great. They cut a great trailer for it, like, and everyone is saying that too, which is kind of the gauge of like, are people going to appreciate Transformers after what five six movies and everyone's done with it? And now everyone's like, oh, look, it actually looks good. And then it actually looks like a good movie because, you know, by the time you get to four and five of the Michael Bay ones, I mean, they become a guilty pleasure. I mean, sure, when I watched five, I just had so much dumb fun with it. You know, Anthony Hopkins just absolutely hamming it up in, and it's kind of just ripping plot points right out of the fifth element being this crazy big exploding thing. You know, Stanley Tucci's Merlin is like, okay, it's a guilty pleasure. It's kind of completely stupid. Then, no, this looks legitimately good. Uh, like, that's surprising. It, Transformers needs needed fresh blood. And Travis Knight is the... I mean, it looks like he's done a great job with it. And something that I've been seeing as well among... You, you know, so the, some of the Transformers uh, kind of fans is, okay, whether they take this opportunity to actually properly reboot the franchise, to actually say that, okay, we're going to have modern day, modern day set films that kind of take the place of the Michael Bay ones that are closer to Bumblebees in tone. But at the same time, I'm just thinking that potentially they, because apparently there are rumors that, you know, gonna, you are going to have, you know, Optimus Prime appearing in the cameo, that they, they could potentially build, it, build out this good, actually good prequel franchise out of this kind of this you know 80s set you know start out with bumblebee and then you know introduce kind of these versions these you know, different toned versions of the characters that we've seen in the michael bay films they're basically going to pull like a marvel and do their own transformer cinematic universe <laughs> i know but i know that's not everyone wants to do but i i don't want them to do that because i like the bumblebee as a standalone but now that you mention it, Anton, I feel like that's exactly what they're going to do. Well, they've done something interesting in the trailer, too. They revealed that one um, bad guy. I, I don't know the Transformers characters, so I'm not going to help anyone out here. But it just looked badass to see it turn into a jet. And I always thought that was the coolest part of the bad guys in Transformers. And I just I would like to see more of it and less of this sort of like uh, godlike figure um, you know, speech-giving robot. I just, I just want to see a cool, terrifying bad guy, and Bumblebee kicks some ass. So, and and it was, it was great to hear Bernie Mac's voice again too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a cool thing. Like, that was a really nice callback. Yeah. Yeah, like a, another nostalgia pull where it's like, oh yeah, remember that first movie that you maybe didn't like but forgot about because it was like eight years ago and eight movies ago? Guess what? Like, here's a voice that will make you actually feel something inside. And it's actually, the trailer itself has a surprising amount of heart in it, like properly, that we haven't even seen to this level in other Transformers films. One of the funniest things I saw on, I think it was on Twitter, maybe Facebook, was someone made a comparison shot of her diving in the water to save Bumblebee. Oh, shape of water. Yeah, the shape of water. And someone like someone had a hashtag that was like, uh, like an Oscar hashtag for it or something. I was like, that's 
Yeah, as soon as I saw that shot, I was just like, oh yeah, that's that. <laughs> like, yeah, people are going to make Shape of Water references out of this one. Yeah, that was a fun- I just thought it was funny because it's like, people are actually not comparing it on that level, but giving it that much credence is like actually a good thing for Bumblebee. <laughs> shall we, shall we um, keep with the outer space theme? And go to first man. I, are you saying first man? I am. Best trailer of this whole batch, in my opinion. Yeah, should we just like admit this? As, as all, we're all sci-fi nerds, are we like, ready to be like, yeah, this is it. This is the best. It's my most anticipated film of the year by far. Yeah, and how did the trailer live up to your extreme excitement? <laughs> it did. It did. Like I will say this. The one thing that concerned me at first were the reactions out of CinemaCon. And not in terms of really kind of how the film sounded but in terms of because i was concerned that the trailer that was going to come out on friday right it was going to be similar to cinemacon that it sounded from the descriptions a lot like a bit similar to that first kind of full interstellar trailer that's a bit more in the dramatic emotional and you know which is okay fine for a nolan film that's one thing but for what you know you'd otherwise think is just you know your regular big american biopic is you know par for the course and what I was hoping for, and you know, when I saw the when the poster came out, they just like experienced the impossible journey to the moon, you know, like selling the IMAX uh, aspect of it, and then when the trailer dropped, it was like they went, I uh, to use the, a Nolan comparison, they went full Dunkirk with it. They cut it like a proper thriller, like okay, they uh, with there are some you know family members, but it is in that context of you know it's going to be a heart pounding. thriller rather than just a traditional biopic and you know it's in line to what Chazelle and the writer Josh Singer said in interviews of what they're trying to do with this film and something that you know I geeked out at you know the end shot with IMAX cameras just like yes they're selling that because it is you know that film this year like Dunkirk was last year that you know is the big you have to go out to see not just in IMAX but in you know 70 millimeter IMAX because it was shot on these cameras I think that what IMAX is saying that it's going to be one special sequence, which I presume is the actual Apollo 11 mission. That's going to be full IMAX the whole way through, hopefully. And apparently there are a few uh, other scenes, I think, like, because I downloaded the high-res version of the trailer when that popped up on the press site. And I was just, you know, looking through, okay, which bits were, because the it's like Steve Jobs, because she's also shot it on 16 mil. 35 and you know IMAX 70 so okay which shots uh, which and is Chazelle going to use the mix of formats as creatively as Danny Boyle did on Steve Jobs because you know he had first uh, the first half uh, third of the film in 16 the second third in 35 and then the last part in digital but you know here it's it's I'm, I'm glad that firstly I'm still surprised that they haven't made the proper Apollo 11 film until now like a proper blockbuster one Firstly, secondly, La La Land, uh, Chazelle, La La Land, I saw that with a live orchestra a few weeks ago, which was a fantastic experience, and I'm like, I'm in for whatever he is, is got coming up next. And when I first heard about the script being described as, you know, Whiplash, but at NASA, and how he's going to bring that sort of intensity to it, and with this visual style, that he's going full IMAX with this, just like, yeah, and, you know, being a space nerd, and loving these sorts of like, yeah, this is the this is the movie of the year. The trailer absolutely delivered, and you know, I'm in. I'm in opening night, you know, or whatever press screening. I think date wise, it's gonna premiere at LFF. Alex, I don't know if you're gonna be here next this year for it, but 
I'm hoping it premieres there because that's going to be, you know, I can't wait for this. So I've been speaking too much. This, this has been my most anticipated of the whole week. I don't want to make the cliche comment, but I do, which is that they save the best for last. Like the very last trailer to premiere, but I still was one of the best. Um, no, I, my interesting thought about First Man was that the, the trailer shows a lot. Like I, I wish I could have seen the movie without seeing anything from it, but I knew that was impossible. But that I didn't know how much of like the Apollo 11 mission we'd see. And the trailer goes all the way to the point where, like, it, clearly to tell you what you're seeing, but not in a spoiler way, but that, like, oh, yes, you're going to see him step on the moon. And that you're going to go through not just, like, like I, I guess one thought is that when they were making the movie and we were hearing about it, I was thinking that all we're going to see is, like, him leading up to getting into the Apollo craft and then just, like, seeing it launch and then, you know, then it, like, ends and it's like, that's history. But now knowing that we're actually going to see that and the trailer reveals that in a way that like the first time I saw it, I was like, is this showing too much? Like, do I want to know that we go through all of this? But of course, like he doesn't reveal too much footage in the trailer that makes me feel like there's a lot spoiled. It's just now we know where it will take us, which is still cool. And I'm still excited for it. Yeah, yeah. and it's not just, you know, going to be the Apollo 11 mission as well. But obviously, you know, from the shots we've seen, you know, it's going to be, you know, Neil doing the space doing his first test flights, you know, there's going to be the original Apollo 1 mission that ended tragically, that they're going to go through this kind of, okay, not just, you know, Neil's perspective, okay, how he came to be the first man on the moon, but also kind of what NASA went through in terms of the space program and how they, from their perspective, you know, all these different missions that led up to it is kind of this defi almost definitive, but, you know, visceral cinematic account of this, you know, journey to the moon. Also, I feel like there is a lot people don't know about the Apollo 11 mission, and it didn't go all that smooth. Like, I remember reading about something that happened. I think they nearly ran out of fuel. I was reading about this the other day. I think that's what it was. Yeah, and, you know, there was an alarm that they hadn't even really, that nobody could figure out while they were landing the, uh, the module. I mean, like, a lot of stuff was going wrong, and not in the way that it goes wrong in Apollo 13, but in the way that you wouldn't want to see things that you weren't already prepared for when you've got a, a group of people going to the moon and you already have, you know, the tension of having to not lose anybody again. I mean, there's a lot that's going on there. And I think having the, the, the first mission um, in the film will add a lot of the tension so that people can always have that in the back of their minds of what could go wrong. And it's, it's so important for movies like this where we already know what's going to happen for it to be about something else. And I, I, I found the trailer to even still give me questions. Like, I didn't know his house burnt down. Like, is that a dream sequence in the movie? Or is that something that really happened? Like, there seems to be way more action packed into this movie than I ever imagined could exist in this story. And I never thought that the movie was going to even be like this. Like, when it was announced and set photos were coming out and everything and knowing Damien Chazelle's, you know, Whiplash was really, really great in terms of its pacing and La La Land is, is a lighthearted movie in many ways, but like, what's he going to do here? Is he going to, you know, is he even going to do space or is he just going to do the human interest piece? So I find myself asking tons of questions and yet not feeling like the trailer actually gave me any answers. It made me ask more questions. And I'm not the kind of guy who's ever going to back away from a trailer of a movie he wants to see, but I do have friends who said 15 seconds in, they were sold, and they stopped watching, and they're never going to watch anything again until that movie comes out. So it definitely did its job. 
But now I'm thinking like, and since we're all Christopher Nolan fans here, <clears throat> yeah. And by the way, the guy I was just referring to is the guy who runs Nolan fans. But he, uh, it, we were talking about how this is like feels like a Christopher Nolan movie based on the trailer. Like I've never seen a movie yet that sold itself the same way that he sells his movies, and and I feel like he made it. Which is exciting, but I, I'm excited to find out that Damien Chazelle has it in him to to be that. Kind is it of just is it just because of the IMAX thing there? Because like no. literally, first thing that comes to mind when it comes to IMAX is of course you know Chris Nolan, and I think um, it is when we first got that news that oh shit, he actually shot it in IMAX. It's like yeah, that's not gonna be your standard biopic if you're gonna try and make it work for that format. So well, to be honest, that, I, that, I, that's, um, I again wasn't even aware of this. I feel like I'm up on the news in movies, but lately I haven't been or something. I didn't know about that until after I watched the trailer. That portions of, that a lot of it was shot in pure IMAX. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm more excited knowing that, but it actually is not much of a selling point for me. I, I had enough going in that I wanted to see it. Uh, other reasons to see it, like Ryan Gosling and Damien Chazelle and Neil Armstrong, the Apollo 11 mission in general. And just knowing that Apollo 13 is one of my favorite movies ever. Knowing that The Right Stuff is one of the best movies ever. And uh, this is like my shit. I love movies about NASA. So I'm, I'm sold big time. But now I'm like, is this a Chris Nolan movie? Or is this a Damien Chazelle movie? And now I'm, I'm in for that question. Yeah, but that's, I think that's the mystery of it. Is like, is the trailer just cut that way? Is it edited that way because the studio knows they can sell it that way? And the movie isn't that way. I mean, we won't know until it's screened. Yeah, no, so. I think I think that is exactly right, and it, it it's cut in a way to make it feel like the tentpole blockbuster action movie of the year, and it's surely going to be a lot more. I think drama and internal struggle, and I think the action will take a back seat, but eventually we'll get to experience the mission in full IMAX, and I think that'll be the sort of intercut finale, but. The, the Christopher Nolan aspect of this when it comes to the movie is whether or not he intercuts the mission and the lead up to the mission in that sort of editorial way. I don't think he'll do it that way. I think it'll be more Apollo 13 in its style, which is more linear. But um, I don't really care. Like, this trailer is just kick-ass. Great trailer. And something that I wanted to mention, I think I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, but I want to bring up here in terms of kind of trailer crafters, you know those really, Alex, I, I think I know what I'm going to say, you know those really annoying kind of five-second trailer for the trailer things? <laughs> yes, I know those the, damn trailer teasers. Those bumpers. Yeah, those bumpers, right. You know why First Man didn't have one on the YouTube version, or really anywhere? It's that first shot when, when uh, Armstrong is watching the rocket take off. That was, a per that was just a perfect piece of editing and finding that shot and putting it at the start because, well, firstly, from a pure marketing perspective, it does what those bumpers are trying to do. It's essentially, okay, get, grab your attention in the first you know, five seconds, get the lead actor's face in it, get the subject of the film in it, and basically all but the title and release date. And the guys at Universal have literally done it within the edit and still works as the star of the trailer as... I think when you do have studios sometimes trying this thing out, because I know, for example, Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers, the Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts 2 first, first trailer, right. The version in cinemas is slightly different because 
that version starts with the Warner Brothers logo and then it goes into Hogwarts, while the online cuts right into the Hogwarts reveal just so it doesn't actually start with the logos. But in, And so the studios have been trying to kind of counteract from an editing perspective when trailers go online, counteract the fact that, oh, we have to otherwise have those, you know, annoying five-second bumpers to get the message out to, you know, not let people get switched off onto something else if they see five seconds of, you know, this trailer's been approved for all audiences or the studio logos or whatever. But, you know, what they did here is probably the best kind of attempt at kind of trying to solve this whole issue with the bumpers yeah. and actually do the same, get the same thing done. Is that, okay, we still, it's a space movie, Ryan Gosling's in it, Apollo 11, I mean, and that's within the first five seconds. It's, I yeah. thought from that perspective, that's brilliant that they managed to do it. Yeah, but this is also an example to me of why there and how there can be smarter ways of doing that. Like, I, I guess my frustration and why I'm so vocal about it on Twitter, if whoever follows me knows this, is just that it's frustrating in a very petty way. Like, I can't believe all the marketers at the studios think that they have to do this and they can't be smarter about it. And yet, look, they can be. First Man is an example of that. It's science, exactly. Alex. It's science. No, don't you, don't you dare, Mike. Don't you dare. I will admit that I thought it was one of those bumpers when it first came on and I wasn't I, like it 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 didn't get my full attention cuz now I'm conditioned not to care for the first seconds or, or few that I click play on a trailer and I had to I restarted it when I realized it wasn't one. So, yeah, it did the job for sure, but it also tricked me and fucked my fucked my whole experience up. So, <laughs> I've been talking about this whole issue, you know, that the cropping where, you know, few people work in this, you know, whole field. And, you know, I'm just my point is as long as there's a version available online that does not have this stuff, that has great quality, that's not, you know, cropped or has, you know, subtitle, giant subtitles all over it or has those annoying bumps. As long as there's that, you know, kind of pure version as it's going to be shown in theaters available somewhere, be it, you know, stashed away on IMAX's YouTube or just on iTunes trailers that you can link to, kind of as long as that's available somewhere, okay, great, do whatever the hell you want with your, with the rest of it. Okay, now shall we go from space to the stars? A star is born. Which just knocked out First Man. I've got this, you've probably seen this, I've got this kind of June trailer madness poll going on trailer track, and yeah, basically the Lady Gaga fans basically knocked out first man, first round. So what? it was it was such a close race as well. Like I was checking earlier this afternoon, it was like literally 50-50, first man and the star is born. And then in the last few and then in the last couple of hours, some of the big Lady Gaga fan sites posted the link to the poll on trailer tracks. Like, vote for the star is born, we're losing to first man, whatever the hell that movie is. Let's admit that a star is born looks fantastic from that trailer. Yes. And that's a great trailer as well. Right. Really understanding the value. Like, I actually thought while I was watching, it was like, oh, okay, so they'll get Lady Gaga up to the microphone and tease out the idea that if you go to the movie, you get to see Lady Gaga perform more mu new music. But it actually, like, kind of kept it going and gave us some of her voice. And that's when the trailer really kicked into high gear and made me realize this is probably going to be one of the biggest movies of the year. And Bradley Cooper directed it? That's crazy. Yeah. Someone said that, um, like... It looks so good that Bradley Cooper could win a Best Direct, uh, Best Actor <laughs> Oscar, which would be interesting because he directed himself in it, which I don't know if that has happened before. But, like, his performance in this trailer alone is great. Um, and I really wasn't expecting to like this movie. Like, it's a story we've seen before, you know, a hundred times. Like, oh, the, 
like nurture the young musician from an old one and turn them into a star. But like, there's just like this vibe to it, which is of course what it was going to be. Like from the moment we all knew they were going to remake A Star Is Born, like there was going to, there had to be something to it. I guess it's been in development like for 50 years or something. Um, but to see Bradley Cooper bring it to life and like, uh, like I'm uh, the other thing that impressed me about this trailer, or I guess for the film itself, is the way Lady Gaga is like completely her quote unquote herself, like yeah. without makeup and anything. Which I kept wondering, like, how did Bradley Cooper convince her to do that? Like, she seems so opposed to that, yet here she is being raw. And I don't know if that's her committing to the character or if that's her being like, okay, it's a new time for Lady Gaga, so to say. You know what I mean? Like, I think in terms of her moving towards being an actress is. Kind of because I, I was reading up on kind of her, her biography earlier earlier this week because she did want to be an actress before becoming a singer, and then now with American Horror Story and kind of those two series, uh, the two seasons of that, and then now she's doing a Star Is Born, so kind of she's moving towards that. So she's definitely kind of it is part of the trajectory for her to kind of change change her image a bit so that she's both a singer and uh, an actress, uh, a serious actress in this sense. So and she looks great. She looks great in it. I wasn't particularly kind of it, this movie wasn't really on my radar until I saw this trailer. Like, okay, I am impressed, especially the fact that you know Bradley Cooper's director. I mean, you. It's kind of it reminds me of Argo, in the sense of you know how although Affleck Ben Affleck directed a few films before that you know moment, but now. Bradley Cooper's kind of in a similar uh, spot and about to be a big awards juggernaut. It's I, it's, it's going to be big, man. It's going to be really big. And it looks great visually as well. Uh, Matthew, Matthew Liberty, who shot Aronofsky's last few films, uh, and uh, I and I was rewatching the before Infinity War, the first two Iron Man films, which he shot as well. And it, it looks visually, it looks really great as well. So kind of to have. And especially when you're comparing it to something like Bohemian Rhapsody, which, you know, it's kind of Earth and Sky, a huge difference. Yeah, but I love, I still think that's a better trailer. I love the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer. That was, that was well cut. That was definitely well cut. So, but in terms of the film itself, the footage that we're seeing here, I'm far more excited for this film than I am for that one. Get out of here, Anton. I don't accept that. No, we'll see. I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like you can be more excited about it, but then when it comes down to seeing the film, I'm very curious to hear your takes on each of them. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel I like we know. haven't had a good music biopic since, you know, Ray and and Walk the Line. It's been 10 years, I feel like. It's not a biopic, I guess. It's not. I mean, you know what I mean, though. Yeah, but like a musician movie. What was it? Wasn't, did anyone see Terrence Malick's Song to Song? That was his book. That. <laughs> I never saw it. Was it any good? Trust me, I am. I am as much a Terrence Malick is easily one of my favorite filmmakers, and I am a Terrence Malick apologist professionally. I think I can't apologize for that movie. It's just bad. <laughs> wow, it's just bad. Any well, actually, you know what? You you did it. You just did it. You transitioned us into something I want to talk about. That is, uh, we we don't have to take a while uh-huh. on it because. Uh, not a lot of people know about it, but I'm just going to point out that anybody who's using this as a chance to see trailers should go watch Friday's Child. It's one of those like, wait, what? <laughs> what did you just say? That probably was not one of the movies in the 20 trailers that got released, but Friday's Child looks like a fucking incredible movie. It's made by a guy who worked with Terrence Malick, 
Um, and it just, um, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I'll just say, if you're listening to this podcast and we're talking about movies with new trailers you should watch, go watch that trailer. Like It's whoa. on FirstShow.net. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, what, what, so you guys mentioned White Boy Rick when we first started. Um, but we didn't really get into the trailer. Just brief comments on that. I mean, I didn't even know about that movie either. And it, it turns out that that's a story I'm now fascinated by. I love it. I love that I didn't know about the story and it looks great. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated now. Had they no sold idea. that trailer beautifully though. Like yeah, the way, really the way it like pitches it as like the, the, the 15 year old hero you yeah. didn't know about. Like, I don't think he's that famous. Like, I don't, and I don't think his story is that amazing or we would have heard about it, but like the way the trailer sets that up, it's like, damn, okay. Now I want to see it. And it sort of sets it up as a Matthew McConaughey movie, and then twists that away. And, yeah, and tells it's you, not about him; it's about his because he's just the dad here. Yeah. And the other That's Matthew cool. McConaughey movie worth talking about is uh, Serenity, which had a oh yeah, week, which looks like a real kick-ass sort of thriller ride that, with the blonde Anne Hathaway. Yeah, when I saw that synopsis about you know feeding Jason Clark to the sharks, I was like, okay, that. I'm intrigued. I did not expect that whole thing. You know, even, you know, because there was, you know, this whole, before the trailer, before the synopsis, you know, those people saying that it's this movie about this, you know, sea captain who is just, doesn't know what's real and what's not when his wife comes, comes and finds him on this isolated island. And then the trailer just takes it into this completely, completely, well, strange would be an obvious way to put it, but, I, it's intri- it's certainly intriguing. I wonder how it's all gonna turn out. I mean, I guess trust in Stephen Knight. So yeah, I mean, I like that's another one where I like the trailer builds the tension up with his fishing line. Like it yeah. starts with a slow tick tick, and yeah, that then, was. Really, yeah. I mean, I, I when I first started in the trailer, I'm like, oh god, they're gonna play this out for two minutes, and I was kind of annoyed. But then the way it builds within the rest of the plot and like shows the other footage, it, it actually played well. Like. None of these trailers they released, I felt, were bad or had problems. A lot of them were just great in the way they were edited and set up. And I don't know. I loved all of them. Um, and this makes me, I mean, unless you want to talk more about Serenity, the other one that reminded me of Serenity and that, that sort of, like, to me, I put them together was, um, I think, Bad Times at the El Royale because they're two yeah. movies where, like, you don't really know what's going on. And there's this, like, huge, complicated sort of, like mystery plot behind it all and like you know all the characters have these sort of other sides to them we don't know about and the trailer sets it up in this big way where you're like you don't know what's really happening what's real or what's not and they're awesome and they both sold me so well on like i need to see them and find out what's going on sold me at cabin in the woods because you know that actually does bring up an interesting point not to not to like derail us from specific movies but uh, you know, one of the things I think makes movie trailers so effective is the choice of what movies to reference in it. And, you know, a lot of times you see from two producers of uh, the Oscar winning drama, this and that. And, and it's like, what that has nothing to do with anything. That doesn't give you credibility. Okay. Tell me that there are people involved with this movie in a movie that's comparable that was good. Right. So, like, from one of the producers of Get Out for, you know, I, I forget some other movie, something that came out recently. But, 
you know, like for this, it looks like Cabin in the Woods at times. It feels like Cabin in the Woods at times. And I don't know what that means for the movie itself, but by saying that people involved with that movie made this, makes me think, okay, we've got a supernatural thriller. I don't think it's it's supernatural at all. But that's just me. Just me. I disagree. So, But I, otherwise, I mean, it looks... <laughs> that, that trailer, is especially, I mean, something I love about the footage in this is that, you know, the whole aesthetic... Of it that's you know slightly reminiscent of um, what was it yeah of Legion and the whole holy stuff, so this kind of a whole kind of slightly retro you don't know whether it's you know either set in the past or period piece or in the pre or in the present day the, and it adds to the whole feeling of you don't know what's really going on here and really the big selling point is the is the cast I mean Hemsworth Bridges John Hamm Dakota Johnson absolutely stacked. Yeah, and it's like this is another one you guys were mentioning earlier that the way the um, I was waiting for you to talk about this because you mentioned the 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 voiceover cast not voiceover the voice cast for one of the animated movies and you were like oh I like how the names come up the, out of all the trailers last week this is my favorite when the names come up part of the trailer like she runs out of the the El Royale and the names start coming up and I was expecting it to cut to the people or cut to them but like the way it follows her as she runs into the rain and the the names just come up is just like it's the coolest way to reveal the, the cast, the names, in any of the trailers I saw. And the only disappointment is that they didn't actually then pan up to the El Royale sign and actually have the title there, Bad Times at the El Royale. No, they had to then <laughs> do the classic... Uh, no, they didn't. at least they didn't smash cut to it, but they... Yeah, but it's still cool. I don't... I don't like, the logo itself is cool. Like... You're right. That's a good point, but at the same time, like I like it's a, a, it's a nitpick. I was just nitpicking. Here, but. <laughs> no, but it's a good point because it's otherwise a great moment. And you're like, ah, oh, well, they could have just finished it perfectly. That's too much work. Yeah, but someone. This is another one I've been looking forward to because someone on my Facebook, I forget who it was, like worked on the film when they were shooting. He was on the production team, and when it when they finished shooting, he wrote like, oh, you guys don't know what you're in for. Just wait until bad times at El Royale. And I was like, all right, someone who's worked on it knows that it's some, you know, a little bit special, not just your normal Hollywood film. And this trailer, like, makes me feel that way. And it's not just because of the way it looks, but it's because of Drew Goddard. Yeah. Um, and, like, all of this to it where it's like, it also seems to be one of these really cool original films where it's just like, we have no idea what's happening. Yeah. Like, someone, someone made a First Man comment where they said... I wasn't too excited for First Man because we know what happens. Apollo 11, they get there, they land, they make it back. I'm like, that's a terrible criticism. That's definitely this, somebody who hated Infinity War. Yeah, and Titanic and any, anything where that happens. <laughs> but like, this is this the the bad uh, the El Royale trailer is an example. Of something where like you really have absolutely no idea, and there's no way you're gonna figure it out until you see it. And these trailers always get me because I'm like, I have to figure it out. I have to know what's going on. Okay. We got a few more on this list, and I can't think of a funny transition into the next one. But should we just talk the girl in the spider's web? Because That's I've got what a I was big at. pet peeve. I've got a big pet peeve about Ooh. this one. Okay, bring it. A big one, and that is the fact that they're literally selling it as a sequel to Finch's. I mean, they literally have the next chapter of the Dragon Tattoo Saga in the trailer and all over social media, and then it's like a complete recast. I mean, well, that aside, it's kind of okay, like a Bond looks... situation, right? No, I don't think. Uh, I, I mean, sure, you can compare it to Bond, and like some people have compared it to Bond. To be honest, I was complaining about this in the past, 
Well, it's just like, no. Partly because, again, it's a complete recast. It's a story, well, they're skipping the second and third books. They're jumping to the fourth. And, I mean, we know that the party line, in terms of kind of how Sony and the promo team are positioning this film, is that, oh, yeah, it's a reboot. And it was like a tweet that I retweeted from director Fede Alvarez, like, back when this project was announced. Saying that, oh, I wouldn't be doing half. Of, I wouldn't be doing my job if I just took Fincher's amazing casting. People say that you know, fifty percent of the director's job is to is to have a pick a good cast. So it'd be lazy of me to just stick with Fincher's. Uh, and you know, a year and a bit later, we get a trailer that, okay, the whole font and kind of okay, Sony paid a whole bunch of money to you know, you know, Keller House, you know, Fincher's, you know, poster and graphic designer to have all that branding work done for, you know, the whole Dragon Tattoo franchise and that bit, but, and then back then it was going to have, you know, the two sequels. And then, okay, they're reusing it. Okay, sure, they paid money for it, so of course they would. But, you know, actually saying that, oh, it's the next chapter, while saying, oh, yeah, Claire Foy. Like, where's Rooney Mara? You know, they deserve better, they deserve better. We should have got them. But otherwise, that aside, I think it looks fantastic. I was surprised how good it looked. That's another one with a completely stacked cast. I mean, you've got Claire Foy, uh, Claire Foy you've got Sylvia Hooks from Blade Runner 2049. You've got Vicky Creeps from Phantom Thread, which is like when she was announced, like, whoa. Clice Bang from The Square, Lakeith Stanfield. It's not, you know, big names, but it's those names that you, if you've seen the films that they're in, you know that they're great. And when you get they get cast in something like this, like, whoa, in, all this, in a film like this together, like, okay, I'm in. I am in. Okay, but Anton, what would you have preferred? Like, would you have rather the text said, like, a new, you know, Elizabeth Salander or something where, like... Because <laughs> that's, that's the thing. It's, it must, the movie must clearly not... Like, what I'm wondering is if the movie itself is a reboot in the sense where, like, they don't talk about what happened to her, but, you know, the first movie and then, in theory, the second and third books happened, and it's just a new cast. I think from the trailer, they're using elements of the second and third books. They're definitely using elements because they literally, I think they, they do kind of flashback a lot, especially because of the fact that, you know, Sylvia Hooks' character, that's, you know, her sister. And so they are tying in the elements that were explored in books two and three in regards to Elizabeth's backstory. They are going to have it in this film instead. And uh, I think otherwise it's just kind of like one this in the sense that, okay, we know that, you know, Lisbeth and, you know, Mikhail Blomqvist, the journalist who is played here by Louis Vera Goodnesson, who's actually really good in Borg McEnroe. He, he did a, a good job there. And so I'm excited to see him here. So kind of, okay, we know that this relationship, but it's a new story and that's going to dive into this whole backstory. So, I mean, it is, I mean, in my eyes, it's a reboot. It, it's a reboot that, you know, is set up, uh, after the, after you know, the, the first one. Because, I mean, look, it's a total recast uh, of the whole thing. So, you can't really pretend it's a sequel. I mean, sure, if they just recast Rooney or, you know, they kept some of the cast members from the first film, you know, be it Robin Wright or even, you know, Daniel Craig or, or, some, of, or some of the others, sure. Or even, you know, kept Trent Reznor or anyone that was involved with Finches, but no, here, completely new cast, completely new crew. Yeah. Yeah, so, maybe they're all shapeshifters. <laughs> maybe. Just throw maybe one line in the, in the movie, solves all that. Um, 
Well, it did give me a Sicario 2 vibe a little bit of like, I- I'm confused. This is a sequel, but it's like you just kind of gave up on ever trying to just be a, se- a true sequel. A, f- a true, like Sicario is, it's a, is a different thing. Like it's following a story thread from the first one that's not the the main character essentially. But then that's fine. But you do get this sense of asking yourself questions while you watch the trailer, and that just shouldn't happen. It's distracting. And if the movie is kick ass, that's great. But then you know we're all going to be facing this question of, oh wait, wasn't Rooney Mara that girl? That is why they shouldn't have. They should have sold it se- uh, kind of as a separate thing. They should have. They shouldn't have tried to just okay use the stuff that Finch's film established visually, in terms of the marketing that is. And they should have just you know tried to make it okay. Here's it's like you know when you have a new Batman coming in and how that's marketed. They definitely think the character is more popular than the actors, and that tends to go sometimes the wrong direction. They could have sold Claire Foy as the new girl. And that would have, in my opinion, been a great way to market the movie and rather than trying to sell the book. Well, at least they have that in the American trailer because the international trailer, even though that's, like, in my opinion, the superior trailer out of the two, because I think that's the only trailer out this week that actually had distinctly, okay, here's a full, you know, two and a half minute international, sorry, the US piece for the US market, while you know, all the other countries get this really nicely put together teaser with probably one of the best, well, as soon as I realized, because one of the things that one of the reasons I really like this trailer is the music. When I first heard it, I was like, "That sounds familiar." It turns out it's Sinead O'Connor. They actually use one of her early tracks in this, and just like, "Whoa, that that's awesome!" Not enough people are talking about it because it's probably one of the best kind of trailer needle drop slash kind of reworks that I've heard in a while. I also like that this trailer, not the teaser, but the the full trailer actually like spends half of its time on one scene. Yeah. And I like when trailers do that, but they're like, I like when it's a, the kind of scene where you're like, oh damn, like you, you know, you're, you're like, your, your eyebrow raises because you're like, this is something crazy that they're showing us. And they don't cut from it. And they don't cut out of the scene. Like they let it play out in a 60 second way. That was cool. Cause that, yeah. I actually thought the whole, the whole trailer was going to be that at first. Like I thought she was going to tie him up, talk to him. And then, like, walk out, and then it would just cut to title card and be like, oh, shit. But, I mean, they had to show more. So, uh, so yeah. carrying on with women uh, kicking ass, Widows looks awesome also. Yes. Yeah, it does. I remember they but were filming looks- in Chicago, and uh, it looked like it was going to be a kick-ass movie just by the, the who was in it and what it might be about. But it the trailer turned out it's something completely different. I, I thought it was like a revenge movie, but it's kind of like a we're finishing the job movie. Yeah, that's what looks cool about it. It looks like a big-ass heist movie. Like, I thought it was yeah. going to be this intimate Steve McQueen-style, like, you know, like, full-on drama. But this looks like, <laughs> like, like I, I don't want to make this reference because it's so easy, but it is accurate. It's like Steve McQueen's heat. Like, uh, literally the masks and everything, you know, where it's just like, all right, what are you going to, what do you got for us, McQueen? It also makes me wonder, this trailer is, does not play, like, a little festival indie. This plays, no. like, a massive Hollywood blockbuster. Which it's got the cast to sell it as one, but like I was not expecting that when they debuted this. Right, and I think we're gonna have a really, really good villain on our hands in this one. The, oh yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, the looks he gives in the trailer alone are like bone chilling. Okay, on on um, I, I actually just saw this on Twitter um, because people are really like losing their shit about Suspiria. Um, 
So I feel like we need to talk about that trailer before we wrap up. Like that trailer, that is the first time I think I've ever seen a trailer that felt like an old timey trailer, right? It was cut. It was cut the way trailers used to be cut, and 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 somehow it made it better. Because I actually think trailers, the way they were cut back then, are terrible and horrible advertisements for movies. But this did it in a way that really just just shook me and made me excited to see a movie that I never, I had never seen the original. Um, but I will. I mean, I, I will see it probably before I see this, just because um, I like to see these source materials. What are your thoughts on the trailer? Best of the week. Really? Suspiria? Okay. Yeah, I've been torn between Suspiria and First Man, and I think Suspiria takes it for me because it's I'm kind of more drawn to teasers like this, and that was so good. I mean, the fact is that you don't even have any dialogue in it. It's all just Tom York's score that Tom York has confirmed is his and not a library track. But the fact that it builds up this sense of dread and it gives you this imagery that first, okay, shows off the cast is one thing, but then also teases a tiny bit of the story, kind of, okay, the general premise, the, you know, the Dance Academy, but then otherwise it just gives you these arresting images that, you know, stay with you and you try and think that, okay, what the hell is going on here? What the hell is going to happen here? Something as well that really caught my eyes, that, you know, whatever it is, that sickle, I think, at the very end, that very last shot, it was funny as someone who was kind of following what Suspiria and what Amazon Studios social media team was doing on their official Twitter, which, by the way, I have to give them credit for because they've been having a lot of fun with announcing it and with, you know, just interacting with the with Dakota Johnson's fans and Lucas Guadagnino's fans. It was, there was literally a video message a couple of weeks ago that they put out of Luca just saying, oh, you know, yeah, I'm, I love that you guys are so excited for Suspiria. So in the meantime, here's a teaser and he just holds up that sickle. And then it turns out to be this kind of focal-ish point kind of in the second half of the end of the trailer. Like, oh, shit. I like how there is this kind of crop connections in between marketing pieces like this. Even if it was just, okay, at once, just playing about them in a casual way. And like, oh, hey, here's a bit casual video message from the director and then like holy shit this shows up in the actual trailer as a central piece like oh what the hell is this thing well it makes sense and that that's why it was in the social media like when they first put that in social media i'm like don't tell me this is some tiny part of the movie but clearly it's a, a bigger part of the movie so i'm glad it all connected that way um this is also as you already said anton this is the perfect teaser in that they don't give away a lot of it and it's the, it's like the, it's the perfect kind of teaser in that this is all i need to see and i want to go see the film now yeah like, it doesn't make me feel like I've seen any of it. It doesn't make me feel like I've seen too much of it. And now, yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, there's a lot I need to see from this. And I want to go right now and watch it. Studios should go back to making more of these sorts of trailers. As I said, Warner Brothers used to make a lot of these sorts of you know trailers with their tentpoles. And now they just do it for Chris Nolan films. And uh, the rest of the general, kind of with their first looks, it's always, you know, so kind of extensive sure you need to sell it, but you know when you're doing it this far out just into i'm just and speaking from speaking about it from a perspective of trailers as art i mean they like again they really should more studios should be especially you know when you're talking about big temples that you know you could sell by itself that's why star wars has been doing these sorts of trailers as well thankfully yeah we need to get more of these because sometimes it is you know for people uh, people who are you know already 
investor and who follow movies well, sometimes that, you know, those little teasers is all you need to get them on board. Otherwise, you just feel that sometimes it's, you know, way too much, too far out. So, yeah, for sure. Um, that's why it's a good tease. <laughs> Uh, Mike, do you have anything more to say about it? I'm interested. You know, I don't know if I'm gonna. I feel like I won't keep track of this movie though. It just seems like the kind of movie that I'll lose track of. I don't think so. I think you're saying that, but as soon as they put out a another trailer, and then b as soon as it starts screening, you're gonna not be able to hear. You're gonna not be able to not hear about it. Yeah, I think once it premieres, like I think it's gonna be at Venice or something. Once you know the reactions hit, it's gonna probably be a go a bit crazy a bit. Although. I think the best comparison is probably Mother from last year. Or no, yeah. I would say Hereditary in terms of like this, like there's, like, Mike, are you interested in Hereditary? Do you want to go see it? Yeah, it's all I've been wanting to do all week, but I can't get out to it. It's so good. I, wa- I was lucky enough to watch it at Sundance London, and I, and as someone who re- isn't really into horror, but films like this, films like, you know, the sort of stuff that A24 puts out horror-wise, you know, it follows the witch. I mean, that's sort of, I'm in for this. I love this Well, stuff. while we're on the topic of trailers, I, I have been saying, I, I do genuinely think Hereditary is one of the top five trailers of the last five years. I, I well, Honestly. You're talking about, like, the full trailer, right? Like, not the teasers or anything? Yeah, the one that has, like, the match cut of Day to Night, and the, like, the full trailer. I, honestly, I think it's one of the best trailers I've seen in years, and I love trailers. And I'm tr- I try not to get too caught up in blockbuster trailers having this sort of leg up on small movie trailers, which I think is an inherent thing. But it, as far as the actual cutting of the trailer, well, easily one of the best. I would watch it over and over and over again, as I have done, just because I like the way it was cut and put together um, with actual thought. And I'm sure the movie is just the same. I just, I just loved the trailer, and it sold me com- completely on the movie. I just, I can't go to that movie with my wife, so I have to um, find some time to go by myself. And um, I don't know when that's going to be, but I'm going to try to make sure I see it in theaters. I just reference it because that's a great example of like, there's parts in Hereditary that you see that you're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, you can never forget them. And I think that's going to happen with Suspiria. Like, people are going to be like, there's this scene in Suspiria that ah, you just never forget it. So that's what I mean by like, you'll hear about it in that way that people are hearing about Hereditary. And then once, you know, once you hear about it, it gets in your head, like, I have to see what they're talking about. Like, even if you're not a horror fan, I think that's going to be the case with Suspiria. But this makes me want to transition to another older trailer that I liked a lot, which was The Old Man and the Gun. Yes. The Robert Redford one from David Lowry. His last film yeah. as well, Redford's, apparently. Oh, uh, yeah, but I don't believe that. Someone said he's not, like... I think he's going to do a couple, but, like, I don't think he's going to say this is it anymore. But um, it looks great, and it's a, it's a conventional trailer, but, yeah. like, it has the old feel to it, which I really like. I love the title card where it, like... Yes, that was a really nice face on his face and just, like... It's like there's stuff like that that's just made me feel like in the midst of all these giant blockbuster Hollywood trailers, like this this little light, fun, like old man heist film looks good. Like nice. And it was also bold of Searchlight to stick it in this week with all the huge blockbuster stuff. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we'll slip this in and see what you guys think about it. And you know what? Like I liked it. I really liked it. What did you think of a ghost story? I'm a big fan of it, but I'm not like losing my shit over it like a lot of my critic friends um i i think there's a lot to it what, what was that you mike 
<laughs> I was gonna say, oh no, what did I did I step on your toes? Um, no, but I I I I I like the second half more than the first of a ghost story. Put it that way. <laughs> did you watch the old man in the gun trailer, Mike? Uh, no. That's why I have nothing Get to say. Get out of here. You are fired from this podcast. Well, I've been watching it for the last minute and a half on mute, so it does look <laughs> it does look interesting. I mean, I, I don't like Robert Redford anymore, but um, I'll still probably see this, and I like Sissy Spacek. But I, I have always been a blind supporter of Fox Searchlight. Almost everything they do is good. Yeah, like A24, they're just everything right. they make. Um, uh, Halloween? Oh yeah, we haven't talked about Halloween yet. No. Are you guys excited for Halloween? No. I'm just curious. No. Because I mean, because everyone was losing it on 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 Twitter over like, oh my god, it's coming this Friday. I I don't think I've seen like the number of notifications like when I posted like, oh yeah, Jason Bloom confirmed it's coming, you know, next Friday. Like I don't think I've hit those kind of numbers since you know Dun- Harry Styles fans with Dunkirk. Like, people seem to be losing their shit over it. Like, probably, I'm just there, like, I am not really excited for this. I mean, I'm not sure. I haven't seen it, 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 the, the first ones, and it doesn't feel like my sort of thing. So I'm just like, and everyone's getting excited. I'm like, what? I was like, okay, it looks good. It looks good. And I kind of get what the hype is about in terms of kind of the, the fact that it is, you know, being so popular and it is kind of considered one of the the originals considered one of these classics and now they're doing kind of a proper sequel to it given the reputation the previous sequels seem to apparently have and so to having the kind of a proper kind of follow-up slash conclusion to the whole kind of uh jamie lee curtis versus kind of michael myers thing like okay i get it from that sense but it's just like okay that it's not really my thing I mean, that's, I guess it's just because I've never was into the series so much, and I don't get, like, like the whole scene, which is cool because of the way it's shot, but the whole scene where, like, they go to the prison, and they're, like, handing the mask to them. Like, it's cool. I like the intensity, but I, I'm, like, I don't get why this is happening and why people are so excited about this scene. I thought um, it was cheesy as hell, and it they took too long in that moment in the trailer and started yeah. to make me think this was corny. Like... <laughs> Like, honestly, I just thought, I'm not looking for excuses not to like this movie. I just, that really threw me off and made me think this is going to be. It's just fan service. It's fan service. It is. It is. It's drawing it out. I'm sure in the movie it's edited differently. But, like, I I don't, um, I don't get it that much. (laughs) I thought the trailer was well put together. And I'm very curious about uh, uh, what's her face in that she looks so different. I've never seen her look like that. And yeah, she she looks like she's ready to kick ass. So I'm all I'm all for those sort of like revived female characters from the you know 70s 80s coming back and kicking ass again as a you know 60s 70s year old woman. And that's always fun. It was cool with Alien. It's cool, you know. Well, it would be cool with Alien. I think I just I think I just misremembered what happens with the Alien <laughs> franchise. <laughs> yeah, she does come back like in the fourth one, which we all went to see and was terrible. Yeah, but she wasn't like in her sixties. I'd like to see her come back now and redo <laughs> that badassery. Uh, Too bad that Ridley Scott kind of stopped Neil Blomkamp's Alien Five or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's what and happened. Now, I off I, to Covenants. I think I fake like remembered that. Next. Yeah, <laughs> I think I turned that hypothetical movie into a real movie for a few minutes. <laughs> if only. The last one I had on my list was Operation Finale, which was not an intentional last movie uh, yeah. to reference, but I guess it's fitting given the title. Um, not fitting given the topic, but uh, I, I will say one thing that spurred in my mind. Uh, have we ever seen anyone play a Nazi and a Holocaust um, victim in their career? You mean Schindler and... Right, he was in... He was, he was in the Holocaust as uh, in Schindler's List, and he is now playing a Nazi. Who... You're talking about Ben Kingsley, right? Yes, I'm talking about Ben, King... ben Kingsley. I don't think anybody else has ever done that. I think that'll be a first in That's acting. That's interesting. Now that I think about it, this is I I love this trailer, honestly. Like, yeah, same. It was that, one that of my was favorite. It's one of those, another one where they're like the build up the tension the way like it just uh similar to serenity with the, the the fishing line like the suddenly just starts and you just build 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 like it was great i love the, the dialogue they put in it i mean like I, this is another one i had no idea about totally 100 sold by the end like i'm in 100 right now give it to me same same i did i did not know about this film until like literally on monday when i first heard that you know, oh, there's this trailer from Annapurna Operation Finale dropping, you know, in cinemas later this year. It's like, okay, where's this film? It's like, oh, right, Oscar Isaac, Marion Laurent, um, Ben Kings is like, oh, okay, I'm it, I'm interested. And then the trailer's all like, oh, this looks great. Yeah, there's a moment too where like it cuts and all of a sudden there's like a rain scene. There's all these other scenes that I'm like, oh my God, this is bigger than I thought it would be. Like, it looks so damn good. So damn good. Has anyone, have either of you seen uh, The Eichmann Show? The BBC um, f- film uh, about Eichmann's trial with Martin Freeman. No, I haven't. Is it good? It, yeah, it aired a couple of years back as part of the. Uh, I think it was like part of the Holocaust anniversary. The BBC produced it for then, and then they they aired it here in the UK. I th- I thought it's re it was really good, and to see and it would make an interesting double. Bill, because that's the immediately the first thing I thought about once I saw this trade operation finale. Is like, okay, how we get uh, it? They they would work really well, really well together. Like, okay, fine, you get this kind of build up on how they actually capture the guy, and then in the Eichmann show with Martin Freeman, you get kind of the aftermath, the actual trial, which is in itself kind of the story here is obviously about it was the first kind of televised event, which was televised kind of to the on the global scale like at the time never before seen kind of the, the first trial to be done that way. So it, it is an interesting story as well, kind of from a perspective of a kind of a film fan and kind of to see how kind of it all work works from a kind of behind the scenes perspective. So it was interesting in that part, but as well, it's kind of an important story to be told really at that time. There's that's why they released it at that time with the Holocaust anniversary and Kind of to see the other side of that story, the slightly more you know action-packed side of that story of how they actually captured the guy with such a great cast. It's going to be interesting, but yeah, it's worth if you guys haven't seen it. It's worth checking out. That I was checking this the other day. Turns out Weinstein bought it like as soon after it aired on the BBC, and so therefore for like for US release, it's stuck in limbo. But I'm sure like you can get it from the UK iTunes or something. But it aired on BBC TV, so is yes, it, are yes. they actual it, films it, yes. or is it like a one part, two part kind of thing? Uh, no, 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 no. It basically, it was a TV film for the UK. 
and I was gonna get the, uh, like a limited theatrical release by Weinstein in the US. And then, of course, you know, now that all of this has happened, it's kind of one of those films, like Mary Magdalene, that's just stuck in limbo. Like, they have the rights to, but obviously, you know, are they going to ever release it with all the shit that's been happening? Well, I'll say that this movie definitely gave me a Munich vibe in a good way. It, yeah. It, and, and maybe it's just that one shot of Oscar Isaac where it just sort of felt like a like Eric Bana, where it sort of felt like Eric Bana in Munich. But I, I just... Like, the shots in this really were breathtaking. And it, it, it definitely gives me the sense that it's going to be a pretty thought-provoking movie that's paced for suspense and not as a thriller but, or a drama. And, like, I'm, I'm so excited. Oh, you know, Oscar Isaac is awesome. Everybody likes him, I think, at this point. And to see him in one of these roles where, especially when it's going to be um, a, more of a spy thriller than a sort of assassination movie, that's pretty sweet i'm excited are there any other movies that we haven't talked about that's all i have we've got i've got three on my list that we haven't yet mentioned the, the first one we, I, the first one we probably should because it's the last kind of big one that's uh, mortal engines yeah should i start <laughs> i'm probably gonna be the only one who says positive things about this i don't know why people hated it i thought it looks cool um I get that it's like people are saying it's a big YA uh, attempt to make YA entertaining and good again. Okay, sure, but it also looks like it'll, and another bad reference, but it reminds me of um, John Carter in a way, like the mm-hmm. look and feel to it, which is hopefully not what it is, but it also ha- like in an ambitious way where they're like not only are we building an entirely new world, but where everything about the world is a unique operation. And what there were two things that I loved about it. Number one was this woman, this Asian woman, who I had to look her up because I've never heard of her. Uh, her name is like Jahei. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Jahei, I think she's a Korean actor, but uh, she looks incredible in this movie. She looks like she's going to be one of the breakout stars of the year. I, like she's in it a bunch in the trailer as like the leader of the opposition group that recruits the main girl. Um, she looks incredible. And then the other thing is that there were a lot of shots in this movie that made me feel like they were referencing um, Studio uh, Ghibli movies and Miyazaki style. Like the flying ship, yeah. where like this giant flying ship like lands on the corner of this moving city and like picks up these two people and then flies away. I'm like, dude, that's straight from Castle in the Sky. Like these are clearly like beautifully referenced shots. Where there's actually, I think, more going on in this movie than we think there is. And if you just if you just write it off as this like CGI fest, which it is, but if you just write it off as that, you maybe you're missing like something more to it. Which you can't forget, this is Weta, and this is yeah. Peter Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Trust and it's like it, there's several trailers this week that that you know you have to say like, okay, trust in the director, you know, trust in Stephen Knight, trust in Peter Jackson. Yeah, but he's not directing; he's he's only producing. Yeah, yeah, he's only producing. But I mean, it's his. Um, Something to note as well, Christian Rivers, who's actually directing it, he is, you know, Jackson's usual second unit. Right, right. Guy on all of his, almost all of his, you know, recent films. So for all intents and purposes, you could literally say that, because Jackson, he produced it, he co-wrote it as well. So yeah, for all intents and purposes, it is basically, uh, uh, basically, you know, Peter Jackson presents it as basically his new joint. So, I mean, I I, I trust that, I trust the guy I'm, it look, from the very first teaser that dropped back in December, where it's just like literally a giant London chasing this other tiny town and just gobbles it up. It in in theory, it just look 
in theory, you think that, okay, this looks weird and strange, but the fact that they managed to make it work, make it look really interesting visually, is something. And I'm also really interested about Hugo Weaving in this. I mean, it's always great to see him in, in these films. And obviously, you know, having worked with uh, Jackson and his crew before, I'm glad to see kind of him back on the big screen, especially, you know, after, you know, we know about Infinity War and how he said he'd wouldn't come back and so when he appeared in infinity red skull appeared in infinity war it wasn't him it was someone else so to see him kind of back in back on big screen kind of in a big film like that always great always great he looks great in it too. he doesn't look like he's hamming it in this time like he looks like he's really giving a good performance yeah uh <laughs> so I mean, everyone's gonna hate on it, and then maybe it'll come out, and there'll be like some positive reviews. And maybe... uh, it has it has all my red flags. It has like <laughs> it, it just does. I it's it feels it feels like a really really good concept piece that that can't possibly work as a movie. So I'm gonna see it. I just I don't trust it. As much as I hate to say this at this stage, kind of and. That's what a lot of people have been saying ever since the project was announced. Like, okay, it's kind of an original property that, you know, has a ton of money behind it. And, you know, releasing in December, literally the same day as, you know, Bumblebee, um, was coming out. Aquaman, same day as well. And, of course, you know, got Mary Poppins' Return to Weekly Ages. Like, like, out of all these films that are dropping in December, including Alita Battle Angel and things like that, it's that's probably the film that's going to, unfortunately, get the short shift. Out of out of the whole lot, which is a shame, given you know how big the budget must have been on this. What are the last two trailers you you were going to mention? Um. Well, uh, firstly, I'll just go kind of in chronological here. Amber Heard in London Fields, this film that premiered in twenty fifteen at Toronto, got and basically the day after the premiere, I was reading up about it when the trailer dropped. Stars Amber Heard, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Theo James, and Jim Sturgis. Well, basically, the the kind of controversy in inverted commas here is that the director uh, said that after the Toronto premiere and all the terrible reviews that came out of that, said that basically the production company recut the film and it's not the film that he wanted out there. So it was kind of got caught in a legal battle, and it turns out that apparently. They somehow fixed it because Lionsgate is releasing it kind of straight to to streaming, I think, uh, this summer. But basically, kind of the draw here was is you know Amber Heard, uh, Johnny Depp's in it as well, just briefly apparently. But it sure it's it's London, and there's always this sort of set, uh, this sense that okay, movie set in London, okay, that's cool, but it's like okay, that does not look good. <laughs> It looks it, just mad, and like, why is this cast in this film? I don't know if you guys saw the trailer as well. I did, and it, like, at first I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, and then I'm like, what am I watching? This is the only one I felt really mediocre about, just because it looks so... It looks like it, there's something wrong with it. You know, it looks like a disaster, even though they try to cover it up, and they try to play it as this, like, oh, there's some cool, mysterious, weird things going on. You're like, no, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> I have I I don't have hope for it either. Like I would love to hear if the director got his hands back on it and cut it back to the way he wanted. Apparently, it's a shorter but... cut than the one that showed in Toronto. Okay, so then that's probably what he did. But it's still like, okay, is it going to mean that it's a good film? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Doubt it. And um, last, uh, Mike, have you? Did you see it? 
No, that's the only other one I didn't I didn't see. I didn't think it was going to be discussed. It seemed like a I'll say that just by glancing at it, it seemed like a movie that nobody was talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Vulture had the exclusive on that one. So just like yeah, and like Amber Heard is like fine. I'll post it. <laughs> and then uh, last last one is Keanu Reeves in Siberia. Siberia. Yeah, what a weird dude. What a, why could you, like do a different facial hair thing for a different? <laughs> yeah, he looks like John Wick in everything. Destination Wedding. This. Like, it all feels like John is just, you know, John Wick goes on holiday somewhere, kind of spin-offs at this point. Which I'm fine with, because John Wick is awesome. But this is like, I I mean, it's it's such a, it's so weird to me when Hollywood still keeps making the kind of stories that we've seen a thousand times. Where, like, a guy goes to some foreign country and falls for a local woman and gets caught up in some shit. You're like, what makes this different then? What is the difference here? I don't understand it. I mean, look, it looks okay because it's kind of reads but but you know what though it's like i sometimes i think about this and i think oh you know hollywood and then i think well this guy's taking these roles if he didn't take these roles these movies wouldn't happen it's just they you have to have a guy who takes this 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 typecast and runs with it whether it's whether it's nicholas cage in like weird you know offbeat psychedelic movies there's whatever you want to call them or you know liam neeson in sort of like you know action have to figure something out movies this is not a good way of describing these but you get what i'm my point like i keanu reeves owns this space and they're making movies for him now and he's just gonna take it and make bank and run away and just have a great list of action b movies that he's made that people like and I think that's just his thing now. At least with Destination Wedding, it's a different context. It's a rom-com where... So at least, you know, there when Keanu is in his, you know, John Wick get-up, at least in that sense, it's kind of intriguing and funny. And, you know, you've got one and the Rider as well. So at least in that sense, it's appealing. But then here, that is, like, literally just, like, not that different from other films that we've such films that we've seen with Keanu before. And I had I had actually kind of like hopes for this because when they first announced it and they like put out that one photo from it, I was like, oh cool, like a Russian action Keanu Reeves, you know, John Wickish movie. And then this trailer, like, there must be a tiny bit of action, but it doesn't seem like it's enough or a lot to make it an action movie. So I feel like it's gonna be just this like like long, complicated Russian drama about like Russians are bad and don't shoot <laughs> them. And it's like, okay, great. That all this is, but so be it. Um this actually okay, so unless there's any more of the trailers you want to talk about, this makes me want to mention there's one more thing I wanted to finish with, which is I was surprised that we didn't see these trailers, even though we got twenty to twenty. 30 other trailers. I was surprised we didn't see a trailer for Creed 2. I was surprised we didn't see another trailer for Alita Battle Angel yet, even though we've seen a couple. I've su I'm surprised we haven't seen Aquaman, but that's its own story. And I'm surprised we didn't see another trailer for Mary Poppins, because I thought they would have dropped another one. And then I'm really surprised uh, that they didn't drop a trailer for the Robert Zemeckis movie, The Women of Marwin, which they will, I'm sure, soon have. But I think that When's that out? Uh, Thanksgiving, or supposedly Thanksgiving, unless they change it. I mean, even the title, The Women of Marwin, is not officially set. Like, it has a different, it has, like, an untitled title. November 21st, I'm seeing it's, yeah, you know, Thanksgiving. Universal. 
Yeah. So I'm surprised by like, I, okay, like we got a bunch of other trailers for the rest of the year, but where were these like five? Like Creed 2, how is there not a trailer ready for this? Why did they not drop it then? Well, I remember Creed, um, and Anton, sorry if I'm jumping you on this and you have an answer, but I remember the trailer for Creed came out in the middle of the summer, like ju- early July or something. And that movie came out the same time in mid-November. So maybe it's the same situation. They're just going to wait till that six-month-out stretch. Yeah, it could be. And remember that it's not Warner's distributing it. It's Annapurna. Mm, okay. Maybe, 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 maybe Annapurna didn't get into the trailer gang group this week. They were like, nah, we'll let all the other studios play this. I mean, it makes sense, you know, why you would stay away, stay away from this, you know, Madness. I mean, next week we already know what we're, what we're getting. We're getting um, the Little Stranger on Monday. We're getting the Nun, which is another one. Like, how did we not get a trailer until now? And the film's out in September on Wednesday, and that's only like a ninety-second teaser that we're getting for that. The kind of conjuring James Wan spin-off. Uh, so, I mean, look, I was having this discussion with. Uh, so some of the Lady Gaga fans were asking me about when is the Star is Born is coming and like uh, asked like oh why isn't this out earlier like you know these other films that have release dates after Star is Born have their trailers out and then there's some because there are sometimes films that don't need a trailer you know five or four months out so and you know and for example okay Star is Born is you know timing wise it's just right that they dropped it now First Man timing's just right that they dropped it now same. There are some, you know, that are out in November. Like, okay, did Suspiria really need a teaser out that early? Probably not. But I'm glad we got it anyway, given, given its release date. So sometimes when it comes to predicting when these things are going to drop, it depends on kind of, usually kind of rule of thumb-wise, it depends on the kind of the positioning of the movie, the scale that we're talking about. So kind of a movie like, you know, Women of Marwen, I mean, when's it out? Yeah, November. Yeah, it's probably going to be kind of late summer-ish, kind of. I think, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we wait till August to get it, and then we get, you know, Creed 2 in kind of mid-late July. Yeah, but I guess even the, the other ones I was still thinking was Mary Poppins, too. Like, this would have been a great time to drop a Mary Poppins trailer. We've seen one. Poppins probably but... might... Again, it's not out till December. Remember that Disney doesn't really like to do many trailers. Because, like, with Disney, they only do, usually two, they only do a teaser and then a full trailer. We had the teaser at the Oscars. Right, exactly. So, the film's out of December. So, I'm going I'm, I'm to put money, I'm, go- I'm willing to put money on this. Christopher Robin in August. That's when we're going to get our next look at it. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense, but it's still, it's like one of those things where I'm like, well, we've got every other trailer. <laughs> why not Why not the rest of them? How long we've waited between the... First and second tra- first and second trailers for you know last the last two you know Star Wars episode films you know Last Jedi and Force Awakens like the gaps were huge. Well, that's just how di- that's how Disney works. I mean, they if if it was another studio that you know would put out three trailers as its campaign. I mean, sure we would have probably gotten a new look by now, but it's Disney. They only put out two. So yeah, did we get a Mowgli it, trailer? Yeah, we did. It was good. I actually thought I thought it was cool, even though it's like the exact same thing that John Favreau did in his movie. But like, still, it looks cool. <laughs> it looks yeah, it does look good. I'm just I rewatched a breathe. Well, uh, yeah, I saw it at the at the time there. It, it was good. I rewatched it recently at home, and it's just like sure, it's a bit you know cheesy. 
it's a, it's a bit you know too kind of a, a slightly uh too too warm that's why kind of the critics didn't respond as well to it because a bit kind of a bit by the numbers kind of biopic and kind of it's it's exactly what you expect but you know circus as a director he's got a good visual eye and you know Mowgli Mowgli looks really good kind of from a visual standpoint as well I'm really curious to see to see you know how it turns out especially as they are trying to sell it as okay it's not like the Disney it's not going to be like the Disney jungle but with something different although one thing I will say about Mowgli is you know how people reacted to the some of the motion capture they were doing how the animals faces were too human like so how how are people going to respond to it in the final film which is apparently you know now he's fully done with it so well okay Anton to wrap up I want to ask you one more question since you're the master of trailers is there something and I ask this because I, I, I truly admire your uh, obsession with trailers which is like on the level of me <laughs> but is this <laughs> is there something you wish that they would do trailer wise like something that you're like this would be the coolest thing this would be the best way to do it there would be something like one like one thing oh god <laughs> i've already mentioned a couple of possibilities right like you know bring back proper teaser trailers from studios <laughs> i mean that's i mean that's what that that's one thing i guess i mean there's just you know so, so many so many kind of things when it comes to this whole thing and there are reasons why the studios do particular make particular decisions or they cut trades in particular ways or they release them in particular ways or on the on this website or that website or with this film or with that film if there's one thing i wish that the studios did more of it's these sorts of kind of extended previews that you know you sometimes get like for example when nolan did you know his imax prologues for the dark knight films in dunkirk and jj did this for star trek I mean, I'm still kind of hoping that, you know, Chazelle may do something, you know, for First Man. I know Mission Impossible Fallout's going to be getting some sort of extended sneak peek in the next few weeks. It's so kind of these kind of sorts of previews that, you know, stay exclusive to cinemas and they work best at cinemas. Because we've reached this point with trailers coming out online is that they cut very much kind of for online consumption. And an example I was bringing up for few weeks ago when you know you probably remember that whole discussion with Chris McQuarrie and James Mangold re regarding trailers and an example I brought up was the very first Batman v Superman teaser from you know three years ago that you know Warner Brothers had this were intending to have it as this exclusive they're gonna have these IMAX events all over the US where they would show off the trailer for the first time and it's and then it just got leaked the day after the Star Wars trailer came out from Brazil and so therefore they had to play it online but it's an example of one of those trailers that works like at its very best only when you watch it on the big screen with or at very least with on a good surround sound system and it's the sort of trailer that would not fly for an online release today. Like, the, you don't get Batman until halfway through. The first shot of the trailer is until 30 seconds in. It's very much more kind of dialogue and audio based. So it's a shame that, you know, we're moving away from these kinds of more intriguing teasers. But, you know, when you get trailers like Suspiria, it kind of brings that hope back in terms of trailers as art. So... I mean, if there's one, one thing I'd say, it's kind of that, kind of think about, kind of, it's always about hitting that balance, really, between 
doing what you need to be doing in terms of marketing and kind of the targets that you have for that, but also in terms of, okay, try and present the film as it is, then try and kind of sell it into some, change it into something it's not without kind of a proper reason to do so. And just make it feel, you know, genuine and cut from the same cloth as the film. So that's kind of my take on this. Good. <laughs> this is why I like talking to you. Should we pick favourites before we sign off? Kind of what top three? Yeah, I can name them. My, my top three are First Man, um, Operation Finale, to be totally honest. And I'm going to go with Suspiria. Those are my top three. My favorite trailers are definitely First Man, uh, and and definitely A Star Is Born. And I don't really know what my third one would be, but um, Suspiria, I guess, is just it's a trailer like I've never seen before, at least while I've been alive. And you, Anton, what are your three? Yeah, Suspiria number one, First Man at number two, and at number three, oh god, I'm t- I'm torn between Widows and Operation Finale. This is good though. We're all in agreement, at least. <laughs> yeah, Widows is legit. That's a great trailer. Too. Why didn't you know what, Mike? You know your 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 number three should have been. I'm gonna give it to you, Bumblebee. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I love Bumblebee. I, I and I I have I I've loved Transformers movies from day one, and uh, and I will always defend them, even if I know their faults. So to keep making these movies. But to switch it up a little bit, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy people are finally going to get back on the train of maybe liking movies about Transformers. Well, in the meantime, Michael Bay heads off to Netflix, which is probably the best place for his stuff. Yeah, for now. For now. Oh, um, this might be completely unrelated, but when when is Kong Godzilla? Um, Next March. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. No, Godzilla versus Kong. 29th. Hold on. Hold on, let me check. Godzilla versus Kong. Because the Godzilla sequel's out next March. So that's probably going to be a Comic-Con. Yeah, 2020. May 2020. No, he hasn't started shooting now. So so the Godzilla sequel will come first. And that will be our, yes. our next teaser for that little universe. Okay. Yeah, probably Comic-Con. Yeah, Warner's always puts on a big show at Comic-Con. Okay, well, uh, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about, I guess we'll wrap up and look forward to further discussions about trailers. Anton, we got to have you on again sometime in the future. Um, for now, where can everyone find you online? I am at uh, Trailer Track, obviously, and uh, my personal handle is at AntoVolk. So you can find me on both of these. Both of those, that is. Cool and Mike, we know where we, you are well, making movies. Maybe maybe they thoughts. don't. Maybe they don't. Uh, <laughs> Eisentower thirty on Twitter, and yeah. uh, and uh, your dog's Instagram. What's your dog's Instagram? And Nolan? my yeah, my dog, my dog, my new puppy shares uh, the Instagram account with my nine year old lab, uh, Nolan and Norman. Yeah, hit me up, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> they went to the it's pool amazing. this morning. I know, and it's the most amazing thing ever. So Great. follow Mike's dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, thanks for joining us, Anton. Thanks for listening, everyone else. And we'll talk to you guys in the future about more movies soon.